Okay, brand new headphones, pretty shit quality. What do you think? How do they feel? <laughs> it sounds funny. Does it? Okay, good, good. They were like fourteen dollars. So it's not really. Anyway. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Nice. We made it happen. It had happened, man. It was quite a while in the making. I apologize for that. That's all on me. No worries. Now, 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 now tell me a joke. You're a comedian. You must have a joke. Get ready. I got nothing, buddy. <laughs> you doing for? Uh, is it for? Uh, is it for uh, uh, audio? Um, no, chat? no. Uh, I, I wanted to add, like, do people? Do you get oh, that a lot, or have you ever got that oh, a lot? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a yeah. nightmare. Yeah. At, at family family gatherings. Family gatherings is more like um, family gatherings, like. Here's a joke for you. That's different, right? Yeah. Like that's more like you think you're funny, I'm funny. Let me tell you something. That's more <laughs> like the family way. Whereas other people are trying to be a little bit of demeaning and they're trying to be like strangers are more like in a demeaning way, like I'll be the judge of if you're funny or not. Give me a joke. Oh my tell god. Me a joke. Oh my good school reunions or something like that. Yeah, I, I, well we'll see. Oh shoot, I think mine might be canceled. We have one in. Uh, it was May fifteen, sixteen weekend. I don't think it's going to happen. Wow, but you're like you went to school out east. Uh Montreal, Montreal, Montreal. Okay, okay. I was thinking like the the Maritimes or something. Uh born in New Brunswick. Uh, until the age of two, I was in New Brunswick. Don't know a thing ah, about it. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. How did you? How did your family end up in New Brunswick in the first place? My dad went from Pakistan to Leeds in England, and yeah. from Leeds applied to, uh, uh, I guess, scholarships, teaching positions, that kind of stuff. He only got into two places in in North America. One was in New Jersey, I believe, it was Patterson, New Jersey, and one was Fredericton, New Brunswick. Wow. He was uh, he was an English teacher, and he wanted to uh, yeah he wanted to teach English and 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 write you know get his PhD and all that. And uh, mm -hmm. I guess one family member was like Canada is friendlier or something like this. Canada is the you know I always think about that like how different where, your life could have been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who would I've been? For sure I wouldn't have been a comedian, you know. Who I would have been surrounded by, what my 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 vibes, value would have been. Even my dad, my dad would have been a different person, right? So I would wow. have Wow. So yeah. So you you've been at um what were you doing this week at CBC? You were doing the uh as it happened. I, I was uh, filling in on as it happens. I just got a tweet from somebody 5 minutes ago saying, "Is there any show Ali Hassan does not fill in on. And uh, there's no telling if that's a compliment or a uh, <laughs> or somebody who's super annoyed with me. But uh, they're sick of your voice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But do you do you have to because as it happens is not um, obviously it's not a comedy show. No. But, but do you, like do no. your does your voice change? Do you have to approach it in a different way? Like all these yeah. different shows that you do? Yeah. Yeah, I would not have thought that that's a thing, but laugh out loud is very different from cue, is very different from as it happens, is very different from here and now. Here and now is the drive home show in Toronto. I don't know, you know, depending on where your listeners um, come that's from. That's right. Yes. The yes, very, yes. Um, it's it's you know the 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 most popular drive home show uh, in 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 all of Toronto, which is saying something. You know, there's a lot of different radio stations that people can tune into, so yeah. it's a big one. 
several hundred thousand people listen. And that one, I'm probably most myself. I'm literally, there's zero performance happening there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm like an octopus and con continuously, you know, this person, this person, sheep from this person. Oh, we just got this guest canceled. Oh, this, it's, it's high energy and there's a lot going on. It takes work to make it sound like it's just an average, uh, an average radio show, calm and all that, you know, it's, but, but ducks are moving quickly under the water. Ducks, uh, legs are work, working yeah. quickly under the, water. uh, sure. laugh out loud has to be a bit of a performance has to be, it can't be, it can't be earnest. You know, it's a comedy show. It can't be yeah, like, yeah. um, you guys, thanks for tuning in. We're going to play some comedy. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I can't be like jazz FM. I gotta be no, a little no. bit, uh, Welcome to the show. It has to be a little high energy. Yeah. Um, Q has to be a little bit different as well. There's parts that are performed. As it happens, the trickiest thing, the trickiest thing about as it happens is the hard left turns. Because at one point you're talking about, uh, what was the thing we did yesterday? Uh, some guy who lost his hard hat five years ago. He lost his fire, you know, or the, and two days ago we were talking about a Zamb a guy who, uh, who, who got this thing called a toe and collect machine for goose poop. And he yes, started yes, calling yes. it the, uh, the, the, the poop Zamboni. Yes. And then the company Zamboni called him and said, Hey, you might not using our name associated with feces. Uh, so that's one story. And then the next story is about deaths from the coronavirus in Italy. So your energy is like constantly changing and listeners it's have come changing to, all the time. Yeah. That. Yeah. Listeners have come to expect it. But for me, it's like, Oh my God, I went into this too happy. I should have been, should have brought the energy down, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting how you got to wear it's, it's not, it's like sometimes it's subtle. It's not always huge, but yeah, it's yeah. not always the same voice. So besides doing as it happens, your life has like changed this past week or so. It really um, has. Both really from, has. yeah, because I mean, you're a comedian, so there's gigs that you're always doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also Canada Reads got canceled. Yeah, yeah. Everything is dead, bud. Everything is dead. And I, there's no, there's no pity party because I know people in far worse conditions sure. than myself. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the exception of CBC work, and, and that is not guaranteed by any means. You know, there's mm -hmm. no no idea when I'll be called in to fill in and make that guy on Twitter annoyed again. I don't know when that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely all the comedy shows and comedy tours and comedy. This stuff in July and August that's been canceled because Already. those sales would have to happen. Yeah, because those sales would have to happen now. And people wow. are not really buying stuff when they don't know what's going on you know three four months from now and then there's another tour that i was going to be on september and october yeah. it looks like that's going to be pulled as well because um the clients had a 60-day window within to within which to cancel yeah and uh and that window is about 20 days from expiring and so within the next 20 days, they're probably going to be like, look, we just don't know what's going to be happening in the fall. So we'll, um, you know, just because on the one hand, people might be like, we're going to need a laugh in the fall. But if sure, you also have some some people, some people in the know saying this is not even close to being over. We're not even at the worst of it. So, yeah, um, in a bit of in a bit of a, a pickle, you know, <laughs> yeah, what are you going to? you're just not in charge of any of it you know so and you and 
and I, and I'm guessing that based on your work with um, Laugh Out Loud, that you probably know tons of comedians that, like you said, you know, there's other people in worse shape. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. There's because I I know people who they have two jobs. One is stand-up comedy, and the other is as a server in a restaurant or a sh- or a cook in a restaurant. Both yeah. those are dead. They don't have oh savings. My. They yeah. were in a position where they were able to accumulate enough to save. They were they were paycheck to paycheck, and it's not because of their own you know financial illiteracy or whatever. It's just because of the opportunities they had in life, and they were trying to make the most and you know of what they had, and they they hadn't quite gotten around to like putting money aside just yet, and. Uh, so those guys, like, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned for, for, for some of those friends that I have, to be honest. And it's not like you can plan for something like this, right? Nobody plans for everybody no. stay at home, don't talk no. to anybody for months. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. You and me talking right now is just, uh, you don't even know what you're giving me. You don't even know what you're doing for me right now. It's, it's great. Because what I've been doing is I've been um, making uh, cooking videos. I was a chef for many years, so I yeah. was like, I'm, I'm cooking anyway. So let sure. me just cook, cook, uh, you know, film it. Now that yeah. takes a different level of like preparation and all this stuff. But let me just film it. So then at least, you know, the the biggest complaint people always had about cooking is like, yeah, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. We got lots of time. Most people have, have a nothing lot but of time. time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's that Com- combined with the fact that uh, grocery stores are uh, the only places that are really open right now. Yeah. Uh, combined with the fact that um, now more than ever, we should be nourishing ourselves in, 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 in positive ways, you know, you mm-hmm. build our immunity and stuff like that. Goddamn zombie apocalypse out there, you know. So um, all those things together and, you know, one of the skills I have, one of the few skills I have is cooking. I was like, let me start putting. So that is um, that is also a, an effort on my part to stay connected with community, the community at large, whatever community that might be. Yeah. My, my little community. But it's not the same when it's coming in like, hey, Ali, what do you do with uh, – how do you make celery not taste shit? You know, like that's that was somebody. That's not the same thing as you and me talking. Otherwise, I got four kids and I have my wife, and that's that's wonderful. But also uh, a break where I can talk to somebody in the outside world. This is uh, this is quite valuable to me. Oh well, th- well thank you. I, I mean, you talking to me is is, is exciting to me. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you. You know, you talked about cooking. Yes, and and from what I read about you, you got into comedy because of cooking. That's right. So That's how, like, right. I, I I I wanted to have a cooking show. When I say I wanted to have a cooking show, that doesn't even quite cover it, man. I had a singular focus in life, and it was to be on the Food Network. Not even just any network. It was the Food Network, Holy Grail. That's what I was going to do. That's all I wanted. Nothing else was going to. Nothing else mattered. And so I started stand-up comedy because I was like, maybe I'll start, you know, um, getting up in front of audiences. I'll treat the audience like they're a studio audience. I'll build my con- my my confidence in front of uh, groups of people. I'll make jokes about food. You know, it was all about food. Everything served that. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I wanted. And then, and then as soon as I started doing comedy, I got, I got bit by that bug, so to speak. And I, uh, and that was, that was all she wrote. I mean, that's the crazy. flirting with production companies continued for like a decade. Yeah. Um, 
where, where wow. I was on the doorstep of getting a show so many times, but it just, it never panned out. And um, maybe that's for the best, you know, comedy has given me uh, a ton, although I'd, I'd probably have a, if I was on the food network right now, I'd probably have a, a job, but anyway, probably... <laughs> <laughs> people are probably turning to the food network in large numbers right now. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, both comedy, like both of those things that, that you've done and, and do are, are two things that, that I can't do. And okay. so, so on the cooking side, even that dish I made the other day, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know how to pronounce what the heck that I made some aloo or, um, what was, was I know you used a, a Rogan Josh curry in it, which I thought was quite unnecessary. That <laughs> you out looking for that. That's a bit much, but I would have zero. no clue. Yeah. And the weird thing was, is I was just looking for curry paste, but then I saw like the only reason I remember Rogan Josh is because of Joe Rogan. I looked at <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe Rogan curry paste. And so I found it so quickly at the grocery store Yeah, uh, the other day. Um, but cooking for me, so I never went out of town for school. And so my wife insists because of that, that's why I don't know how to cook. Because I never had to fend for myself. You know, I went to school at York University. It was an hour and a half commute. And I would just come home and, you know, mom's cooking would be there, whatever it was. Sure. Sure. And... Um, and so there's been times in my life where I've tried to cook. Um, and I, I don't have – so time is, is a thing, and I can understand that. But there's also, like, the patience of yeah. uh, and understanding, like, what you need to do. Like, my wife saw what I made and says, now nah, we need to more – we need to add more, more of that Joe Rogan curry paste. Yeah. This is – this this was in her words. She goes, "Yeah, this is for white people. We need to add more yeah. for for the Indian for the Indian tongue, right?" Yeah, her um, pal, she's Indian. Her background is Indian as well. Yeah, yeah, both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so, both neither of you cook. Not, you're just both getting into it. No, I don't cook. She does. She does. Okay. Yeah, okay. you know, she does. Ah, so she, she was. She was coming from a place of knowledge and uh, yes. and, and taking a crap on your saga loo attempts. Okay. That's right. That's right. So like this week, it's like okay, everybody's gonna cook. I'm like, what am I gonna cook? I'll make like eggs and eggs and toast. Yeah, or, or, or something like that. And then comedy. Um, I've been to, like every time I go to New York, and outside of this year, well, I did go to New York this year, but I go like every year for work, mm-hmm. and I always end up going. At least three three nights, I'll go to the comedy cellar. Yeah, and I've just started going to comedy shows in Toronto. Um, and I lo- I just love going to comedy shows. And I've had this thing in the back of my mind that you know maybe I'll do uh, like an open mic just once in my life. Just go up there, do it, and it's over. You know, it's a bucket list for me. Mm-hmm. But there's that fear. Of of just being what I would consider like you're you're naked on stage, uh, looking for people's approval of what you're gonna say. Sure, that's the that's the beauty and the horror of stand up comedy. There's no, um, you know, it's not it's not like uh, uh, improv or sketch. There's no yeah. ensemble. There's no people to lean on. This is just you and the mic, and that's uh, 
you either find that super exciting and challenging and, 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 uh, yeah, like something you want to do, or you see that and you go, why would you? That's insane. Yeah. You must've had like a strong desire to, for this cooking show yeah. to put yourself in that position. Well, I, I did. There's no doubt about that, but also I had for the, the, the few years prior to, uh, to that uh, day that I got on stage, I would have been like, uh, April 2006. Mm. Prior to that, I was hosting weddings, a couple of weddings a year. Friends would ask me, my cousin asked me to host the wedding. And I thought, yeah. you know, Indian and Pakistani weddings, we're talking about 400, 500 people. That's right. And I'm hosting these weddings and I'm finding myself getting less and less nervous and I'm treating them like my own sort of comedy show. I'm feeling like the maestro up there. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I, think I, uh, I think I can do this. I was, I was less fearful because of that but then that night at the comedy the night i started uh the first day i was actually uh i was pretty pretty nervous it's a it's a very common story but i did like a i did a you know a six minute set in like three and a half minutes i just went fast and every time people wow. laughed i was like what is that noise what's happening right now it's just so much more intimate in a small comedy club the yeah. comedy works was similar to the cellar small low ceilings brick walls um it's like it's different you know it's like people are there to see comedy this is their, you know i i can fail in front of supportive family and friends who are there for a wedding sure. but um but the, yeah the, the, that show i remember after i got off stage my knees almost just like buckled as i stepped off stage my knees just went oh god what did you just do but um but it was it was a hell of a thrill and did you like want to go back right away, like tomorrow yeah. night or next week? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's is very common with me. You know, I <laughs> I always go go into something hard or 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 not at all. Either I right now I'm struggling with <laughs> I'm struggling with iMovie. Um, ah, I want to I want to edit these videos that I'm filming at home. These cooking ah, these videos, cooking videos. And I'm when you said uh, what what did you just say? You said. You didn't say you don't have the interest, but you said something about cooking. You don't have the... I don't have the, the patience. The patience. Patience. So that's where yeah. I'm at. I, I also don't have the inclination, but I also don't have the patience. I'm like, eh, I'll get somebody else to do it. But now it's such a personal thing. I'm like, I should really learn this. But I yeah. don't have the patience for, for making a video and stringing different things together. My kids watch these you know YouTubers and it's like... Yes. There's a lot of moving parts, man. There's a lot of like audio beds and clips and a lot of different, you know, sliding in graphics and sliding in uh, all kinds of different clips and other, you know, picture in picture sort of, you know, so, you know in inserts. And I'm like, this is a lot. This is what I would love for mine to look like, but it's not going to for a long time. Yeah. And uh, that's my own fault for not not ever doing it myself you know when you say like let somebody else do it i've just always been a believer in that but then but then sometimes you get overcome with this source of great guilt and that's also what's happening in the house like being at mm. being just sort of like a handyman around the house yeah i'm always like i will pay somebody to do this work and then somebody goes you know if you do it yourself you can save 300 bucks and i'm like i don't care about the 300 bucks <laughs> i care about not having to be on my hands and knees uh doing grout in my uh in my in my shower or whatever the thing is you know yeah 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 
Uh, no, I did the same I? thing. I'm the most useless guy. I'm the most useless handyman you've ever seen because of years of thinking that way. So you must, do you use that app Jiffy? I don't know. I'm going to write this down. I don't know. No, I don't use anything. I want oh my to use goodness. things. I'm feeling- okay. I'll, 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 I'll send you, I'll send you. And so there's this, there's this app called Jiffy. It's a Canadian app. Okay. And uh, you literally the same thing I did. We had this grout in the bathroom. Yeah. I made that <laughs> up. I, I mean, but we do have to do that. And, and I went on this app and, and I, this is what I needed done. And so, you know, I, you put in what you need done in your house. Yeah. You put in when you want it done, and then the app finds somebody for you. Okay. Uh, and that person, and then you pay like you pay a, a flat fee for like an hour. Okay. That person comes in, they do the job, and they're out. You don't have to like tip them nothing. Um, they don't bother you. They don't, you know, they're not like a car mechanic saying, "Oh, there's 15 other things that's wrong with your bathroom." Right. And, okay, that's hilarious. And and they're out and. Um, I'm. I am the same way. There's stuff that I say I. I don't know how to do this, and um, I'll. I'll get someone else to do it. And even editing, like these podcasts that I do. Yeah. So I started a new podcast at the beginning of this year called Welcome to the Music. Yeah. And I've got a co-host for that, and I am so lucky that my co-host he does the editing, and he'll yeah. you know add in the music and play around with the sound levels and everything. Um, because that's, again, I don't have that brain capacity, um, or, or even the interest to look after that stuff. I rather, you know, sit down, um, whether it's over Skype or, you know, in a, in a booth or in a restaurant or whatever it is and just chat with somebody, um, and record it and say, okay, here, I'm going to give this to the world. And if somebody wants to clean it up, by all means, clean it up. Yeah. But let's get it out there. I hear you. You know? Um, another thing I have in common with you is, yeah. shing- is shingles. Oh, man. That is but not you, a great thing to have in common with each other. No, but you had shingles on your face. I had shingles on my forehead, yeah. On your yeah. forehead. And I, I, am- I consider myself lucky. Where did you, did you go? On your back? Mine was, yeah, like like the back front sort of thing. Well, I'll tell you why I consider myself lucky because I have a, a certain level of vanity where okay. I was like, what is this? I got to go get this fixed. And, and I was told that I came in early enough that it wasn't too bad yet, but it's definitely ah. uh, shingles. Uh, it still hurt like hell. I'm but sure, it was yeah. Awful. I watched my dad with the, with the shingles on his back and his, his sides and every time he coughed. Yeah. Uh, or somebody made him laugh. He was on the phone. He's like, don't you make me laugh, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> it was like, you know, really, really painful. Um, he couldn't sit. He couldn't sleep properly, coughing or whatever. Jeez. It was, uh, so I didn't have that. Um, and I also went, went quickly. You, uh, yeah. you, you had it on your back. I had it. And like, first, so I, I'd gone to, this was at the beginning of the, of, of whatever year it was, maybe three years ago. Um, and I'd gone and I said, okay, so it's the end of the year. Let me go to the dentist a bunch of times. Let me go to, you know, get, get a bunch of massages, you know, cause you want to take advantage of all your health benefits. At oh, work. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Um, and, Wait, and this so, was just in 2020? No, this was back maybe 2017, 2018. Oh. Okay, okay. So, so not so long ago. And, and again, I had heard of shingles, but it, it was like an old person's disease. 
Like this, this doesn't happen to like kids like us. Right. Um, and exactly. so exactly that was the whole thing the two yeah. shoppers were uh shingles me and then the other one was that it's called herpes zoster i was like herpes me i can't be more loyal than, than this what am i getting this <laughs> that's they hilarious really a, they really need a rebrand on that name very yes. very unfortunate name because it has anyway. nothing to do with that other stuff <laughs> no i know that was my i used to I, I i got about five minutes on stage thanks to shingles Oh wow! The, the, when the doctor reassured me, herpes zoster. I was like, herpes. He goes, it, it's nothing to do with herpes. I go, then why call it then herpes? Why anything? Were other all the other names taken? What are you doing? This is ridiculous. That is crazy. Yeah. So, like, did you? I guess you took medication and everything for it. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I was. Uh, I was. Um, Oh, that was an early uh, self-isolation case, actually, if I think about ah. it. My wife was like, I was lucky enough to be in Montreal at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was just uh, sort of, my wife in Toronto was like, can you not come back? Uh, I was like, hey, man, we're, <laughs> we're kind of newlyweds here. We assume we'd be spending time. She goes, we don't really need that. The kids don't need that right now. Because highly infectious in the first uh, few days or week or whatever ah. it is, right? Okay. Yeah, so I was uh, I was quarantined. I was quarantined in my parents' basement in Montreal, uh, away from my wife and kids in Toronto. Wow. Yeah. So when I got it, I, I think I was like a few days into it. And first I thought, ah, I've got some sort of a rash. Mm. Um, maybe, you know, when the person was massaging me or something, maybe the oil they used or whatever. Um, and then it was my boss that told me, sounds like you have... Um, it sounds like you have shingles. And I said, what? Hmm. So I go to the doctors. The doctor says, yep, you've got shingles. Do you need any pain medication? And I'm going, well, it, it itches more than it hurts. So no. Hmm. Um, and so I was supposed to go to a, a scout camp because I'm a scout leader. I didn't go there. And then I think two days later, I'm in like extreme pain. Um, and it was like you said, you can't get up out of bed. Um, you just want to lie down and, yeah. and I couldn't get a doctor's prescription for like Tylenol six or whatever it was that he was going to prescribe. Yeah. So now this is back in the day before now pot is legal. Um, right. and you know, I'm, I'm not like some other guys where I can figure out where to get this stuff. So I call my brother who lives in Whitby Yeah. and I'm in Scarborough. I says, come get me. We need to go somewhere and get some gummies. Yeah. And so he's laughing on the phone because I'm like one of the most straight edge guys that he knows. Yes. And so we, we end up going, finding a place on the Danforth, getting some gummies, and I was converted right then and there. Oh, is that right? You've been, oh, my you've goodness. Been I'm on since then? Telling you. Um, the funniest thing is that you're a scout leader looking for gummies. It's just it's <laughs> so, it's really, it doesn't fit. And also, you're a scout leader and you don't do the grout in your own basement? This is and turning scouts on its, on its head for me. Dude, dude, I, I, I know like just like three knots maybe. Knots, that's it. All right. That's, you know, I'm not, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not like these other guys that, that know like every single knot and what it's used for. You know, I'll, I'll I, go I put scout yeah. leader on a pedestal, dude. Maybe this is a mistake. I shouldn't do it. <laughs> I, I hear, I hear scout leader, and I think this is the guy who's going to lead us through the zombie apocalypse. He's going to no. be able to skin animals uh, alive, cook them. He's going to be able to fell trees and create fires, and, and it's none of that. 
I can I can make a fire. I can canoe. I can throw up a tent. Um, uh, I can hike for for weeks on end. But you ask me to, I can cook at I can cook at camp. Camp cooking is very different than home cooking. Um, but you ask me to make a knot. You ask me to you know build a house. Yeah. Or to or to yeah. No. Unbelievable. You asked me to put sending my children to you. Unbelievable, huh? I mean, I'm not, but if I was, that's what I would say. (laughs) Um, You've toured with a bunch of comedians. Yeah. I want to ask you about Russell Peters. Yeah. Um, Because he's from, like, from where I'm sitting, and from where he's like huge, massive. Mm -hmm. He's the Godfather, man. But he's not. Like he's unknown, it seems like in the uh, in the world of comedy, or is he? I don't think you can call him unknown anymore. I remember a couple okay. of years ago he was on Mark Maron's podcast. You know, WTF is a huge yeah. podcast, and yeah, uh, I remember Mark Maron kind of in you know, because when you know Russell, it's all you know. You just you just know Russell, and you assume everybody else knows Russell. Yeah, and in the same year. Uh, a buddy of mine from Chicago. He brought his uh, his white girlfriend up from Chicago to uh, to Toronto. Yep. She was um, a hairdresser, and she loves comedy. And um, she didn't know who Russell Peters was. And I mm-hmm. got to you said you love comedy. She had no idea. She goes, "Oh, I should look him up." Yeah. And she knew like ten comedians. She she did know comedy. She did like it. I was like, "Oh, that's so weird that she wouldn't." Anyway, that's an aberration. But then when Russell was on uh, Marin. Uh, Mark Marin goes, dude, who who are you? He goes, I don't mean who are you. I know who you are, but like, where did you come from? How do you like? What's your story? I never hear about you. I don't know you, and yet I I understand that you you know you sold out the O2 Arena and then you sold out Madison Square Garden twice. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, how have I not seen you? And how do I not know you? Yeah. And so then I was like, oh, that's crazy. And then I realized it's like. It's kind of this massive cult following. Like it doesn't feel fair to call it a cult following when he's selling out arenas and he's a multi yeah. multi millionaire. But in effect, that's what it is. Wow. And 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 I mean, tell me a little bit about Russell that maybe other people don't know. Well, Russell is. Uh, you know, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you. Uh, he's actually. He'll he'll mess with you. He loves to mess with people. He loves to mess. So he he comes off like a bit of a prick. Like, yeah. um, when we were in in Jordan in Amman, he does this thing. Uh, I'm sure this is like something he does all the time, where um, you know you come off stage as a young comedian, you're like hoping that somebody tells you that was great up there, um, uh, you know that that you did a good job, and so then, um, you know, you're backstage and uh, he'll he'll either. This, he'll, you, he, you're walking around backstage and he'll be like, hey, hey, kid, come here. And you go, yeah, you know, kid, I'm like the same age almost as Russell. He'll like, kid, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll be like, um, you did great up there. That was a great set. And then you're like, oh, Russell, I haven't gone on yet. I'm next. He's like, oh, I'm sure you'll do well. You know what I mean? Like he does that kind of stuff on or, um, or he'll, um, I don't know, he'll, he'll, he'll always just mess with you backstage, something, you know, it's, it's just goofing around like that, being a dick. But yeah. he's, uh, you know, there is a guy that I, I met uh, a few years ago uh, on the Danforth. Uh, I think he had a restaurant on the Danforth. His wife and his child died mm. uh, in some terrible uh, car accident. And Russell knew him. And Russell was like, dude, forget about everything. Come on tour with me. 
for six months. Just come on to just forget about everything. You have no expenses. I'll take care of you. Blah, blah. You don't. And from what I understood, Russell didn't know him that well. But Russell is that type of guy too to really help out people and be and then you know when I tell people that people go what people should be talking about that man everyone thinks Russell's a dick I go no Russell's like a guy who likes to mess with people he likes to bust people's balls yeah. um I mean he met my wife many many years ago and he looked at her and she had like a bob haircut he goes your head looks like a doorbell and then he moved her head and went ding dong um, you know what I mean like he's always so my my wife does not like Russell Peters she's like what kind oh, of no. fucking first what kind of first impression is that? What is that? What is that? A way to... um, but I, I think he's a very good guy. I think he's a generous dude. And I think he's um, he's the OG, man. And I, I always give respect to people who like laid the laid the groundwork and, and laid the foundation, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, another another guy whose name comes up, um, and, and, and that's where I saw you, you uh, in, in Toronto is, is Dave Merhej. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of people call him like he's like the orig- one of the originals sure. as well. And you've had him on your show a year or two I have. ago. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, like a year ago this week, like last okay. year, March break. Yeah. Um, when we were allowed to congregate and get together yes. um, and, and, and hang out. Yeah. Um, when did you when did you two guys uh first meet and hook up and start doing stuff together yeah i mean he's one of my closest friends he's become my brother and and it it just came out of like uh he came to montreal to the comedy works my my home club there and he was just like um um just a good dude he was just you know he he i don't think he'd even seen me do comedy and i was like hey man if you need a host for this show um i'd love to do it and he was like I think what happened was he came for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. And then he was doing a show on the Sunday with a guy, Jeff Schwella, another friend of ours who was a comedian. Yeah. And they were doing like a Valentine's love show. And uh, I was like, hey, if you guys need a host for Sunday, just let me know. And um, Dave was like, yeah, man. All right, cool. Like he just, he didn't really have a a no button. Uh, You know, he was just like, yeah, I don't care. He was like really focused on improving his own comedy. So he, he wasn't like... I got to see what this guy is like first as a host. I don't really know him. He just gave me a chance like that. And um, it was just a good bit. And then I was hosting the, the we ain't terrorist show that he had started back then 10, 12 years ago. And then we, we started doing some touring around Ontario and around Quebec. We were touring the show called we ain't terrorists. And it became really fun and being on the road with this guy and meeting his family was was just a, a highlight and he stayed with me and he's, you know, he's uncle Dave to my kids and wow. Watching his, uh, his struggles and his, uh, his ascent has been, uh, has been one of my life's greatest joys actually. Yeah. I remember seeing him on, uh, Mr. D. Yeah. When, when he, when he first started out, I can't remember one of the, I don't know, second last or third last season or whatever it was. And it was like, Oh, this kid is funny. This kid is really, really good. Um, and then somebody shared, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, an album, whatever he did at uh, some Toronto location. Um, and it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And so, yeah, yeah I've been a fan. I love, I love the, he's got a, a, a bit part, but that show he's on on Hulu, Rami. Yeah. Uh, um, well, actually, it's a bigger. They just they just wrapped on season two, and his part is bigger. He takes more of the really more of a story. 
around him too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Mahershala Ali joined the cast this year too, so he was working with him, and it's just wow. great, man. It's really like it's absolutely amazing to see what this guy's been able to do. You know, his his just his reach keeps getting bigger and bigger. Um, I don't know if you remember the show Blossom. You ever remember? You remember that show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Joe. Joey and Blossom, my MBI. Anyway, we were last year, January, we, we were doing We Ain't Terrorists in Calgary and we're staying in an Airbnb in Calgary. Yeah. And uh, I'm in the bedroom, he's out in the living room, and I just hear a holy shit. And I'm like, what's up? He goes, dude, check this out. And it was, it was Mayim Bialik from yeah. Blossom. It was Blossom. Blossom messaged him. She's also been on. Um, What's that show? The most popular show about the nerds. Um, oh yeah! Uh, uh, the, oh my goodness! I know you're talking Big about Big Bang Theory. Big Bang, Big Theory. Bang Theory. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she's also been on Big Bang Theory. So she continues to be a you know working actor. She sent him a, a, a direct message saying, "Your comedy," because he had a, a Netflix half hour. She said, "Your comedy." is some of the most amazing, crazy things. I don't know if you know me. I'm, I'm also a performer, but I thought your your comedy special was just fantastic. And uh, I thought I'd, I'd message you to tell you that. And we're like, whoa, dude, you Bl- made it. Blossom just am, messaged me. <laughs> Blossom messaged you. Yeah, big, big moment. I've been there for a number of his big moments, and it, it really brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, he's he's got a, like his style, like that, that um, Netflix uh, bit that he does. Yeah. That, like, how, like, okay, so you're, how do you rehearse? How do you create that? Because it seems so spontaneous. Brother, that is, that is years in the making. That is years in the making. A a fellow comedian told me this a a bunch of years ago, like six years ago. Yeah. Maybe more, eight years ago. This guy, Dave Dave Tassonis, Albanian, Canadian, uh, yeah, Montrealer. He says to me, he goes, I love Dave Rahej. You know, Dave Rahej is a guy who, if the if all the comics are doing badly and the room is terrible, you send in Dave and all of a sudden he lights the place up. It's just great. But also, if everybody is doing well and the room is hot, you send Dave in there and he just kills the room and nobody knows what happened. Like, that, that was who Dave was. And Dave hears that story. He goes, he's always like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> Dave, it's a sore spot because that Dave knows he was kind of like that. He yeah. had such a different energy from everybody. Yeah, right. And he wanted to have his own unique voice and his own uh, energy. That's a big part of the comedic process. You want to have sure. something very unique to you up there. Yeah. But um, it took time. It took time, and it took um, him really working on himself and discovering his voice and seeing how he can use it in different situations and see how he can be that guy who always, always kills. And, and he's got a pretty good rate. Like he's, he's generally doing very, very well on stage and and not a lot of people can say that, that they're always killing. I went to see him at a barbershop. Okay. Um, I I don't can't remember where in Toronto it was, but it was literally, it's a barbershop during the day, and I yeah. believe it I, turns into a bar. I think it's the in the junction, if it's the same one that I know about. I think it's on Dundas West, but I might be wrong. That's one of them that wanted to do that show. Yeah, so it was um, – it was uh, – is it Seema? There's a, yeah, yeah, Seema Safari. That's right, yeah. yeah. He was there. Um, another guy whose name I can't remember. Could it have been Patrick Hakeem? Yes, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then Dave. Yeah. And then I think it was uh, this dude I just saw. I can't remember his name, but he had a white dude with a mustache. Um, he make, he makes Jared fun of his Campbell. look. Jared yes, Campbell. Jeremy. Yes. Jared. Jared. Jared Campbell. Yes, yes, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. And did he tell you about this show? No, no, it no. Was, but I know all these people you're talking about because these are our close buddies. The, the It was the funniest thing. So I don't know, maybe 20, 30 people in this place. Small, you yeah. know, so obvi- obviously a small place. And obviously, you know, there's people that live upstairs. Yeah. And so there was one time. So, so uh, Dave's, Dave's on, and then somebody cu- opens the door and says, "Excuse me, you're making a lot of noise. Can you turn it?" To-? And it, it's, it was the funniest thing to see Dave just riff <laughs> on that. Terrible heckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His riffing is the best. It was, the- and then Pat, when Patrick was on right before Dave. Yeah. Pat Patrick was making a joke about. Um, just making a joke about like uh, like a, a retarded person. You use the word re- retard. Yeah, I know some much. people that's a sore spot. Yeah, but but yeah. when I when I'm in a comedy show, you know, it, to me, I understand that all everything's off. You know, everything is is a okay. If it's if you can sure. make it funny, I mean, that's just me. I can understand, right? No, totally. Um, and Patrick himself doesn't do that anymore for for just too many complaints over the years. But yeah, I know. Oh, exactly interesting. What you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And so there was literally a girl in the front row that was so mad and so angry, and she walked out. But it went on for like ten minutes, and then when I Dave know. came See, on, what he does he goes? He goes, man. Man, these uh, these Dorito chips are retarded. Like he's like, I'm not even talking about a human being, and this that whole thing, right? Yeah, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Dave came on. Dave came on, and Dave be- because there was that interruption in the show, sort of thing. Yeah. He just went on and on, and it was the funniest thing. Yeah. Just just to see that energy and him just it was similar to, um, at, at your last show, the We Ain't Terrorists. I think it was just riffing off of. I think it was Trump he was riffing off of. Yeah. Um, and he was so, and it was just like, it seems right off the cuff, and he was just angry. Well, and... Yeah, I think it might have been Don Cherry. Yo, you're Don right, Don Cherry. That's yeah. right, that's right. Yeah. Um, and it, he, he's just so funny when he, when he has that energy. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah. When did you find out that um, you didn't have to come up with a new joke every time you went on stage? That you continue um, to work on the same material. I found and, that out very, very early on. That's yeah? that's uh, yeah. That you you should know that early on. I did not, but um, yeah. I think it was maybe my third or fourth time going on stage, and some some guy, uh, this guy Carl, I still remember who he is, this comedian, was like, "Hey, are you you going on tonight?" And I said, "I am, man, but I'm sorry, it's uh, it's going to be the same material." And this veteran comedian, Scott Falconbridge, who still very much performs and tours, he walks by me, doesn't even look at me, just walks by me, goes, never apologize for your material. And then uh, and then kept walking. I was like, no, 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 I was just saying that I, uh, he was gone. There was He didn't care to hear anything from me. He just wanted to tell me, yeah, not apologize for your own material. And I, I told somebody that story and they were like, yeah, man, the whole name of the game is repetition. You're not going to get good, you know, uh, like... The idea is mm-hmm. to know your jokes and your bits inside out and know them in a way where you can start the joke, somebody can heckle, you can handle them, take care of that, go right back into the joke, finish the joke, and still kill the joke. You know what I mean? There's like, yeah, there's no, there's no 
um, it's just seamless. It's absolutely seamless. And you can dip in and out of your jokes and you've got to know your material the way you know your, yourself. You have to know it so well. So, and that only comes from repetition. And when do you know that, okay, let's move, let's create another show, another line, another, another bit. Well, it's not about knowing for me, I can't speak for all comics and their process, yeah. but it's like, sometimes you're just a, you're like a fountain. You're just a well, wellspring mm. of, oh, now I got this joke. I got to work out. There's so much I want to work on. And then months go by and you're like, man, I haven't written a new joke. I got nothing. And sometimes <laughs> you're like, you know, you went to, um, whatever it is, absolute comedy in uh, Ottawa in January. Yeah. And now it's August. And you're going back to do 45 minutes again at Absolute Comedy in Ottawa. And you're like, Jesus, Christ, I haven't, I'm not even giving these guys like four minutes of fresh material. It's just a reset. And some people are okay with that. Some people are like, that's my set. You yeah. do the set and you, you that, that that's the whole job. I don't like that. I like to like continuously be working. But there are times where you just, life gets in the way and it's like no more there's no new material you're not particularly inspired or you're not challenging yourself or whatever it is it just it happens and it happens to everybody where comics are just sick of their own voice and like oh god uh, i gotta write some new material and some people sit and write i don't do that as much i'm to be perfectly honest my my best jokes my favorite jokes have come to me when i've been doing vacuuming lawn mowing in the shower these ideas just when you free your mind of everything yeah. and you're doing something brainless i find that's often when something comes to you whether it's an idea for a bit or an idea for a story or something you can write about or so it's it's really amazing how that happens yeah and um it's good it makes me vacuum more than i normally would <laughs> very Do clean you? person very clean house, clean very house I, just so i can get a joke <laughs> Is um, how many chances do you give a joke? Like, so if you go and say, okay, I, I, you think you have a joke, yeah, you 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 go on stage, you tell it, it it doesn't go as well as you think. Do you scrap it right away, or like, do you continue to work on it? How many chances do you give it? It's uh, <laughs> that that the answer to that is kind of like a moving a moving target type of thing, you know you. Sometimes you do a joke and you're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to take a risk here. I'm not sure about this joke. And you go and you do it and the crowd does not like it. And you go, ah, screw it. I never cared for that joke anyway. And it never sees the light of day ever again. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I, I have a joke um, that I can tell you exactly that. My mother um, once, you know, we were in Pakistan and I was trying to make the joke so it wasn't in Pakistan necessarily, but we were in sure. Pakistan once and I, um, whoever the architect was who built this house, fucking had a, had the bathroom right behind, right, right, right inside the dining room. Like you, you go to the bathroom and you come out of the bathroom and you're in the dining room. Yeah. And I'm in Pakistan and my stomach is not feeling good at all. You know, I've eaten all the wrong things and I'm like in, in bad shape and I'm just like sweating, trying to hold it in. My mother's like, just go to the bathroom, go. And I'm like, oh man, I don't, some idiot, idiot built this house. I'm going to walk in on dinner. They're going to hear me from dinner. And then I'm going to walk in. The door's going to open. It's going to be terrible with smell. And my mother goes, well, what smell? You know, you just take the soap and you wash your hands with the soap and the soap smell will be, uh, will go in the bathroom. And I was like. Are you even my mom? Do you know what I do in there? You, 
Soap is not going to take care of you. Know, so I had this. It's basically a glorified shit joke. I have a bunch of yeah. different tags on it. But to be honest, I don't want to do glorified shit jokes. I don't really <laughs> want to do it. But I, yeah. I found it a funny story. And I was like, man, I'm going to try to bring that to, to the fold. I did it. It didn't work. And I'm like, you know what? You're right not to like that joke. I don't either. And that's over. It's never going <laughs> to be. It was done. done. It's done. One time. It was done. It was done. And, you know, even after I told that, Jarrett Campbell, the same guy you were mentioning, Jarrett came up to me and he goes, um, you know what you can do with that? He even gave me a tag. He was like, here's something you could do. You could say this. And even then I was like, yeah, I'm never going to do that joke again. Other wow. times yeah. a joke doesn't work, but you stick to it so stubbornly, so stubbornly. You're like, nah, I'm going to make this work. And, and it's a combination of finding out you, maybe you got to shrink it. Maybe you got to give more context. Maybe you got to be funnier, quicker. Maybe you got to make it more relatable. There's so many things that could be the reason for why your joke is not working. Yeah. Um, especially since my jokes are a little longer. It's not just a one-liner. If a one-liner doesn't work, you're like, okay, I don't have it. That's not that's that's not a good joke. But for me, a two-minute joke about the cottage. I'm like, I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this thing sing somehow. I'm gonna turn it into something. Yeah, and uh, so you stick to it stubbornly. Sometimes, sometimes you do the joke. You know, come on, I've changed nothing, but maybe on stage something will come to me. Maybe somebody will interrupt me and say something, and that will give me the idea. Who knows? And then you do the joke. Nobody interrupts. Nothing changes. You do it the same way again. It doesn't work. You're like, damn it! I got to figure out. I got to figure this out. This is a bit. This has got to be a bit. Yeah. So sometimes it's months. Sometimes it's months. You stick with something, and it's wow. going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on you know comedians' individual level of, sure. uh, of stubborn, sure and persistence. Um, one of the things I've always wondered about is you know obviously in Canada we get tons of uh, American TV shows, so you know all the late night shows. Uh, everybody is making fun of Trump, you know whether it's his looks or how he speaks, his um, their their you know they're spinning and riffing on his policies and and whatnot. We've never had um, – our, our comedy is very different in Canada, it seems. Mm. There's, there's, there's no one comedian um, that I can remember that has been hard on, like, politicians in, in well, the same Rick sort of Mercer, way. Rick Mercer is a satirist. He's definitely the guy if you, if you want to uh, take yeah. a guy. I mean, because I – I toured with him and he ripped all of them. You know, he ripped everybody. We, we, we toured in October, November when Justin Trudeau's blackface was still fresh. Andrew Shit, Shear had wow. lied about being, a, 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 you know, in the insurance industry. He had yeah. really, you know, um, uh, painted that one on thick. Turned out he was like a summer intern or something like that. But, but you know, Rick Mercer was making fun of how Andrew Shear would sometimes be like, uh, let me put on my old insurance cap for a minute and think about that. Like, dude, it was a summer. You were an intern. You, you've got coffee for people. Relax, <laughs> putting on your old hat. But he made, he, 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 you know, Rick is probably more, he leans liberal, you know, as a, as a, as yeah. a gay man from Newfoundland, I, I, you know, you can probably do the math on it, but sure. you don't know it. Like that's not what he says. He makes fun of everybody across the board. And so I think we do have our, our, at least that one guy and I hear, you know, Steve Patterson will do it. And a couple other guys I know really enjoy that role. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 
we may not have as much fun to make and and Canadian politics I think we've bought into the fact that it's boring mm. and so people are like I got more exciting stuff that I can talk about you know um but yeah the ones who do it well do a really great job Rick's the first one who comes to mind I ha- um oh dude that the name the guy you just said who does the debaters what's his name Steve again Steve Patterson yeah. Steve Patterson, Steve Patterson. I- yeah. I, I had a chance to uh to see him um host um to be a host at, at this uh awards banquet that yeah. I went to wow within the past month. Um he is hilarious. He is so funny. Un- unbelievably he's, funny. He's a guy who when I early on, he used to live in Montreal for a, a short period of time, a few years, and and I saw him on uh, on stage, and I was yeah. like, ah, uh, well, I, I shouldn't be a comedian. Like I really felt like <laughs> if that's what good comedy is, I'm not going to get there. Like there's no reason for me to uh, to pursue this. I I really had a, like a reckoning after seeing him. He was so. His material was amazing. He was so unbelievably. Oh, you know what it was, dude? It mm. was St. Patrick's Day. It was a nightmare. It was the worst environment for comedians because people are drunk. They're heckling. So yeah. people wouldn't let his material live. Like he'd be funny for a bit. They'd let, and then they'd be, and then he'd like beg people to let him finish his joke. He's like, all right, not going to get that one finished. And then he'd go in on people and he would riff on them and make fun of them. Yeah. And like, he just loved it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm watching this thinking I'm never going to be able to do this. And thankfully over time, you know, you realize that, oh, it just, it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of good and bad situations that you have to study, you have to pick apart and be like, okay, this is the, this is the direction we can go in. And you just have to build your, uh, your toolkit, you know? And I had no toolkit one year, two years in watching Steve Patterson. I was like, I got to quit, but he's really the best. He's so good. Does he still do stand up? Do you know? He does. We we did a show together. We toured oh. together uh, with the Saskatoon in January. Wow. Uh, but yeah, he's his just... time is uh, is limited for. He's not going to do. Um, he was touring with Ivan Decker. He was touring with a couple of other comedians. I don't remember who else. But he, he he's done that recently, uh, as of like two years ago. But okay. now with the debaters, he's also got something called the Debaters Live. Yeah. Um, got all the corporate gigs he does but he had a tour called this is not debatable he did have that okay. and i think that was two years ago yeah well wow. yeah he is he is he is funny um who are some up-and-coming comedians that that you really like well, I, would, I would say Jarrett campbell who we've mentioned a couple of times here Jarrett is uh he's kind of crossed over the up-and-coming he's he's you know, he's got a set from just for last from last year on um, on CTV. But I, I think I don't know if Jarrett's even been doing it like six or seven years, but he's great. There's a kid named Jacob Balchin in Toronto who comes to mind. Um, another Jacob, Jacob Samuel from Vancouver is such a good comedy writer. He's great. Um, there's another guy out of Edmonton who was the a yo-yo champion. That was his claim to fame before comedy and he's so so good i'm gonna look him up yo-yo champ comedy edmonton i i have to tell you this guy's name uh, very very dry very um uh i mean you, you just the way he delivers is like nothing else i've ever seen before yeah but uh 
I'm gonna have to get his name at some point. I don't know how how to. Mm, it's not coming up his name. No. Darn it! I look up Yo-Yo and cha- I mean, how many Yo-Yo champions are there? This is ridiculous. In, Ed- in Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. Well, out of Edmonton originally. I think he lives in Vancouver now, but we'll see what oh. we can. Yeah. Well, we'll look. We'll look him up. Yeah. Um, what's um, the Ugandan comedian? Oh, Arthur Simeon. That's not Arthur up and coming by any means. He's not up and coming, but he's hilarious. He's so he's fantastic. He's one of he's, the best. He's really another guy who you know. Dave and Arthur and I would tour together. Uh, sometimes we did a little tour called Legends in the Making. Now I was the host. I was not the legend in the making at that yeah. stage. Um, but we toured together and we had so much fun. We had just a r- ridiculous amount of fun, and. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I watched him grow into something very, very special. Also, he's really, really good. Yeah. Um, one of my, f- I don't know if it's on anymore, but Designated Survivor when it first came out, I remember. Um, so during the day, I work in in the advertising space. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting uh the first the first episode, um, and and watching that, I go, I like this. You know, Kiefer Sutherland as president. Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah. Um, and, and I watched it all and it wasn't until I had to prep for this that I realized yeah. you were on that show, dude. Um, so you had watched it and just not known. I had not known. I had not known that That's that was funny. you. Yeah. Um, how, tell me about that experience working with, um, uh, working with Kiefer Sutherland and, and that whole crew. It was, um, you know. Because of the environment, it's like, it's very surreal. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, I watched you. Like, I don't get starstruck. Uh, That's not really how I get. Yeah, yeah. But I did get like, is this really happening to me right now? Am I really, is this, is that Kate for Southern who I've been watching since I was, you know, kid? But because of the environment, which is very, very, like, um, hyper productive. So this guy Kiefer Sutherland is, you know, the executive producer and uh, he, you know, I think he helps direct a little bit. He's like, you know, uh, the, the lead, obviously, he's in most of the scenes and his thing is also he doesn't want anybody to have their uh, scripts on on set. Mm. You know, sometimes people are like fumbling till the last second to like remember their lines. He's like, everybody should come prepared. So yeah. it's very like, you get a, I've never had that with any other set where my agent sends me an email saying production is asking that you come fully prepared knowing your lines. Some people, that's not part of their process. They're like, oh man, that sucks. But look, that's what Kiefer Sutherland asked for. And he's got more lines than anybody. Plus he's executive producing the show. Yeah. And he's a workaholic and he's a musician who tours with his band on his off time. So if Kiefer can do it, we can do it. So I came very, very prepared and it was really like, okay, let's go, let's go. And he's very hard on himself when he doesn't get the line. So it was so serious and so intense so quickly that I had no time to feel how surreal it was, but it was an amazing experience. It was really great. Yeah. That was, that was really cool. Nice. Yeah, you're doing some more acting. Is is that something you're you're doing more of, or you want to do more of? I am. Uh, you know, I've got about. I, I guess the first time I did any acting, 2011, I was in three things. I was in three films, and I was like, "Well, looks like I'm an actor now. This is my life." <laughs> and then uh, li- nothing changed, and I was like, "Oh man, this is oh. <laughs> a okay." Bit of a wake up call, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was in. 
um, this movie called Breakaway, a movie Goon. I had a, a you know people were like, oh, your scene was terrific in Goon. It's just one scene, but it was opposite uh, Sean Sean um, Sean William Scott, Sean Michael Scott, Sean William Scott. Okay. Uh, Jay Baruchel, Stifler. You know who Stifler is, right? Is it Sean? I don't know. William I know Scott. Jay Baruchel. Yeah. And Eugene Levy, and it was a you know great okay. great scene. And then uh, people were like, uh, uh, "This is great!" And I you know pumping my tires basically. I was in a movie called French Immersion with an all star Canadian cast and Quebec cast, and people were like, "Ah, oh, you did a great job!" And I was like, "Ah, oh, this is who I am." Nothing changed. Not one extra. You know, uh, I, I didn't do another movie for a bunch of years. Actually, it was more like TV and other things came up. Yeah. So it just it, it was a good early reminder to me that uh uh you know nothing is guaranteed to you you know, nothing sure. nothing nothing's life-changing it's not like it's not like the days that older comics talk about like if you got on johnny carson your life was set the next day you'd get a deal you'd get a sitcom or you get something this is not what the world we live in you know it's not nothing equals anything nothing's guaranteed to anybody yeah that's yeah so, you're right eh? yeah it was good it was good for me to realize that right away and um uh, realize that comedy will always be my anchor. I was like, I will make sure that I am always doing comedy because comedy always provides me with something. Mm. And that, that should be my anchor. And that's where people, you know, people should know that that's, that's my priority. And that's the way I've operated and it's worked out. And that comedian from Edmonton, who I was talking to you about, Charles yeah. Haycock. Charles, Charles Haycock. Yeah. Nice. Charles Haycock. Terrific. Do you remember... I don't know if it was on 104.5 or if it was on 10 or 1050 on Sunday nights, there would be a like an, an hour or two hour comedy um, late, late at night. Um, I think it was on 104.5. Um, but I would listen to this show every Sunday night uh, to discover, I, I guess, cause it was hilarious. And I would listen to people like like I don't know you can't listen to these people anymore because right? I don't know if it's right or wrong but you know you'd hear Bill Cosby you'd hear Woody Allen and Woody Allen as a stand-up comic mm. was hilarious I don't know if you've ever had a chance to listen to his his old stand-up stuff I was I was a big fan man yeah yeah um I was in New York a couple of years ago I think when Louis C.K. was making his comeback. And you know okay. he he shows up at the at the cellar unannounced. Yeah. So I was there on the his oh, second time that? he did that. Okay. Um, and he was funny. And so my question to you, I'm more I'm asking you for your advice now. Can we separate? What are your thoughts on separating the art from the artist? It's uh, it's the it's such an enormous discussion. It's a, it's a huge, huge subject. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really able to do it, to be yeah. honest. People mm. who do, look, there's the Bill Cosby's of the world. Like, why would you want to? Like, it's, come on. How many yeah. women does a man have to rape in their sleep for you to be like, mm. I still like him. Well, if you can separate that, like, there might be something wrong with you as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. I'm talking about I loved Guns N' Roses when I was growing up. I loved Guns oh, N' yes. Roses. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And and, uh, and then Axl Rose turned out to be such a prick. 
and not to me directly, just in sure. the general. He was such a loser. And then I was like, ah, I'm done with this band. You know, I just I was like, ah, it's over. There's other yeah. bands. I don't need to like this guy. So I'm I'm quick to pull the shoot. And then, mm. I know not everyone needs to do that. In the case of Louis C.K., I felt like he was such a, a brilliant writer and all this, uh, a, a, you know, brilliant comic and incredible work ethic. But he was so unapologetic. I really mm. felt like he was like. Yeah, well, look, at, look at these. These I hope these fucks got what they wanted or whatever. You know, his, his attitude was like he wasn't really. I don't know. He came back more smug and arrogant. I thought, and I was like, yeah. ah, buddy, it, there was an opportunity for you to generally be a little bit humble about this, and I never really saw that. Yeah, but I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy who's like, how dare Yuck Yuck's book Louis? If people want to go see him, and that that's that, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't. I'm not in a place where I could be like, you should not go and see this person. That's ridiculous. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. um, but it's tricky because, you know, I, you, I have female friends who are like, well, this guy is basically a, a, a sexual harasser. Now, if this happened to your girlfriend or if this happened to your, um, to your, to your sister, and all of a sudden, would you be so keen to be like, ah, come on, let Louie perform. You know, it, you, all yeah. of a sudden you start thinking about it more personally and you go, shit, man, maybe mm. maybe I'm not looking at this correctly. So it's, it's I don't have all the answers, man, but it's very, very tricky territory. And I've always yeah. been a guy who's able to shoot quickly because there are good people out there. There's good people and good communities. Oh, absolutely. So support those guys. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm always, I'm always, I, I, I'm always worried about, you know, the heroes that you might have mm-hmm. that will one day you go, Oh shit. Now I can't like that guy anymore. You know, I, uh, I love Bill Burr. I just love Bill Burr about mm. six. Uh, no, what, uh, I think I was probably visiting Montreal. So I didn't live in Montreal anymore. So it might've been 2013, 2014. He hadn't peaked peaked yet, but he was so great and things were going yeah. really well for him. And I walk into the comedy works, my home club, yeah, and the Bruins are playing the Habs on TV. I know he's yeah. from Boston. I know he loves the Bruins. I know a lot about this man. I'm a Habs fan. He's watching TV. He's drinking a beer, and I'm like, and I I can see half of his profile and his beer, and he's looking at the TV. And I took I took about ten seconds to deliberate. Should I go up to Bill Burr? Yeah, I was like, no. I walked right by him, and it takes a lot of like. You know, you know how people are when they see someone they love. They go, "I just had to tell you this. I just had to meet you. I did. Did you have to? You had to. Like it was you. you had to disturb this person's life. That was so important. Like you're doing them a favor. But I'm, you know, I could fall. In, I could see myself falling into that trap. Yeah, I did that with Matt Sundin once, and later I was like, "Why did I start talking to Matt Sundin and make him feel weird? I don't even like the Leafs. I don't even like Matt Sundin. What's wrong? This is like fame changes you as a human being uh, on the spot sometimes." So I just basically I walk by Bill Burr and I had no regrets. I was like, "You know what? I I don't want to meet my hero in this case because what if he's a prick? What if he? Me. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good thing." Yeah, that is yeah. Wow. So I, I I walk by him. So yeah, sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes. You know, it turns out to be like a little bit unappealing. And then and then I'm that guy. I'm that guy who pulls the shoot. And I'm like, man, I had a hero. Now I don't have a hero. And what I if you meet somebody on a bad past. day? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know? And you hold that. All that, all that to say, there are also these cases where, you know, the Aziz Ansaris of the world, 
Mm. I thought that that guy just got a raw deal. That's just a kind of a he's kind of a goof. He's kind of a goofball with no game. But he got swept <laughs> under. He got he got enveloped into something bigger, into this Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein thing. Then you know, Harvey Weinstein is a monster. Louis C.K. Yes. is a mini monster. Aziz Ansari, uh, you know, he was he just he just asked for a blowjob in a weird way. You know, what yeah. I mean, that's what it felt like. I, I you know, so there's those cases also that you're like, ah, I can't really get behind that one. He's just kind of a goofball, and he was. You know, I heard his latest special. He did feel genuinely. It seemed like he was genuinely shamed and humiliated, and yeah, uh, appreciative of people coming out. And he's like, because it can all be taken away from you at any moment. And I, True. You know, yeah, yeah, that's interesting, Ali Hassan. Man, this has been uh, this has been great, man. I appreciate all the time. I, I really you. do. I, I feel like you're a guy who uh, I feel I feel like I am talking to a comedy fan who could talk about it forever. Um, oh, for sure. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, if if people want to keep up with what you're doing, whether it's uh, your new uh, cooking endeavors or, or whatnot, where's the best place for them to go? Um, StandupAli.com is the website. Uh, I'm about to go in and put the word canceled on a bunch of gigs. Oh, and, shit. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. People can see, like, the life of an artist and how these things go. Um but uh, standupali.com is the website, and then everything else is standupali on, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at standupali. Oh. Okay, so now now you, you brought up another question I have. Um, yes. you know, so whether it's you, I know you've, you've got the, uh, the glamorous CBC gig, and, um, but again, there's other artists, other comedians um, that you know, they were serving at a restaurant, like you said, and they're, they're comedy. Now, both of those things have been taken away from them. What, can, what, what little can we do? As, as consumers and fans do to help out what would you recommend a lot of comics are um uh, posting hosting or posting uh, online comedy so they are basically you know look as a comedian if, if you've got that hustle, if you've got that need to do comedy you go you go seven ten days without comedy it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel right in your stomach. You're like, man, my thing, my thing my, that I love, I'm not doing it. Why, I haven't gotten on in so long. And that first time back, that second time back, you're like, my rhythm's off. I'm not. My jokes aren't exactly where they need to be. I don't feel the same comfort on stage. So we're all taking this sort of forced hiatus. And I think a lot of people are doing comedy from home right now. And they're, they don't have the laughter. They won't have the sound of laughter. They won't have that. But if you want to watch some comedians, try out some stuff, give them some support, tell them that you thought this joke worked, this joke didn't, all of that kind of stuff, I think it'll go a long way. And, and, and you know, it's interesting that right now, in this time, global pandemic, people are turning to the artists, right? They're turning to TV, they're turning to comedy, like on, on, on television, they're turning to their actors and they miss the performances and they miss all that. When, when this is all over, and God willing, it'll be sooner rather than later, please come yeah. out and support artists in every way you can. And right now, another thing you do, you can buy the albums that comedians, comedians have put out, not expensive, five bucks, 10 bucks, if you have the means. I mean, if you're, if you're in the dumps yourself right now, you know, don't, don't put yourself out, but you know, bookmark that. Say that when you get some money, 
I will support this comic because they've worked so hard and um, they've, they've uh, made so many people laugh or entertain so many people. I think that's one way to do it. I think I mentioned more than one way there, but I think that's a good way to sort of see things right now. Ali, man, thank you again for your time. I appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you so much. Man.